Talking to people about dark matter and neutrinos can be funny. Surely you're joking. Hopefully, yes. What a wonderful universe. Welcome to Surely You're Joking. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Peter Hickerson. We're back in the new year, 2017. And, uh, Did you sound less exciting with your voice there, Kevin? <laughs> I'm extremely excited. This yeah, is, you this sound... is me all the way up. This well, is me at like 11. I'm Kevin Peter Hickerson, and we're in the new year, and I'm staring at a wall, I'm going to eat it. And we're, in, we're three seconds into an episode, and Griff is already making fun of me, and I'm just falling to pieces over it. Um, we have a special... Uh, Good joke. <laughs> we have a special co-host today. Uh, Sarah Keller. Hi. Hi, Sarah. How Hi, Kevin. It's good to be here. Oh, and Sarah loves to do the Kevin voice, too, so you guys can tweet about that. My name you is might... Kevin Hickerson, and it's 2017. <laughs> it's going to be as bad as 2016. Uh, I have a little bit of a cold, so uh, you probably can hear that little bit of raspiness. Um, anyway, we have it. Let Not me... at all. Your voice is super exciting as normal. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm really excited about this episode because we have a guest who's visiting from long from far away. Uh, we've been friends for many years now. How, I'm not sure how many. Eight years. Eight, eight years. Wow. Um, uh, I His oldest friend. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because I haven't seen him for a while. <laughs> um, uh, she's a very talented lady. She's a she's a doctor. Uh, has a PhD in, in robotics worked at JPL, worked on robots at JPL. Uh, we actually first met working on a movie together. We were both uh, robot people in the background. Yeah. You, you were less of the They back. were looking for extras uh, <laughs> with, of, with people with robots. Right, yeah. <laughs> and and you brought one of those. Uh, you also have been named uh, the third sexiest scientist in the world, if you don't mind me bringing that one up. Isn't uh, that fun? Yeah. <laughs> Having your... We'll talk These about that. These lists are about very that. intelligently <laughs> juried. Did, did you... Like, the, the, they, they just chose you without Hold your on. permission for Still that? Doing, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm doing uh, my, the intro first. We're doing the intro. We're doing the intro. All right. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> you have a TED Talk where you talk about robots. You have an amazing robot named Data that tells jokes. That's awesome. Uh, you got your PhD at Carnegie Mellon, um, and you've been on the cover of Wired magazine. That's awesome. That's rock star stuff. Uh, please welcome Dr. Heather Knight. <laughs> welcome to the show, Heather. Glad to be here. <laughs> cover of Wired is like, I mean, that's like a, it'd be like a cover of Rolling Stone in the tech and, and you know, science world, wouldn't it? It's a, it was Wired UK, which oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't oh. care. That's not, even part of, <laughs> that's not even part of Europe. Yeah. <laughs> Topical. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Great Brexit joke, Kevin. Good job. <laughs> the really funny thing is it was me and a robot on the cover, and they completely airbrushed the robot and made it skinnier. No. No. I swear to God. Oh. I... <laughs> <laughs> what? That's, That's the new way. This level is... <laughs> of just, my mind is blown Body right shaming <laughs> robots. Oh, my God. Uh, the robot. Uh, yeah, no. Okay, we've got to change that. What's wrong with right. it? Dude, listen, the robot's a little too fat. Look at that. <laughs> robot's <laughs> hips are too big. We've got to right. just slim it in a little bit. In the, are, you, are you kidding me? It's a robot, dude. <laughs> People do? like robots skinny. <laughs> what would they do is like BB-8, make it an oval? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or be like whatever it does. Great joke, Kevin. Um, so, so Heather, you do amazing stuff with robots and getting people to be uh, like more um, a customer on robots and making them friendlier. Can you tell us about that? 
Sure. Um, I call myself a social roboticist, so I try to understand how people and machines um, can interface well. So the one really neat thing about robots is that because they move with intention, like if there's an object in their way, a lot of mobile robots can navigate around them. Um, it makes them seem like they are characters. So people think of them as um, like as creatures and rather than just as like an object. And because um, because of that, that means that robots can piss people off. They can people find can find them really rude. They can find them really friendly. People bond with the machines regardless of what the machines feeling about them or not feeling at all. Um, so basically, just like our understanding of human psychology can help us design machines that actually perform functions that matter to people rather than just to companies. Now, I'm sure you get annoyed people ask you, like, what, what are your thoughts on singularity? Um, I mean, I, I understand why the people um, behind it don't want to die. <laughs> and I, I mean, like, there's a lot of attraction to um, thinking about ways that we can uh, avoid this that scary thing that is mortality. Super scary for um, idiots like me. Yeah, and you know, like, I, I, I sympathize with that, like, from a philosophical standpoint. Um, but I think that the longer you work with technology, the more you understand its limitations um, and how difficult things are. Um, I think procreation is as close as we've gotten to immortality so far. Um, you have to, you know, sacrifice a couple of your genes uh, and mix it with somebody uh, somebody else's. But I mean, uh, yeah, I, the singularity, I think, is is a is a really interesting myth. Myth. That's I describe it. Okay. That's that's. I almost heard a little bit of, of insult in that. You were like, what? myth. Okay. No, no, I like that. Okay. No, no, not at all. I'm just like, that's interesting to hear. Like, It's like some people are frightened, and then some people, you know, then her perspective is myth. So it's like, it's really interesting to hear. Yeah, so there's two things. Like, there is um, computation power, and then there is intelligence, right? So computation power, that's something that we know how to measure. So right. when we talk about doubling computation speed, like, you know, you can go from two to four to eight and so on with a singularity style. Um, and uh, we actually have gone past many people's limits of what they thought physical hardware could do in terms of computation power. Um, intelligence is really hard to measure. We don't know what that is. I mean, we know like very little about how the brain operates ourselves and we keep making these moving targets. So we're like, oh, intelligence is playing chess. And so a computer beats someone at chess. What is it, um, Gary Kazimrazov? I always mess up his last name, but like it's like 1996. And I don't remember it. So. You don't remember it? Yeah. Um, I know what you're referring to. Yeah. Where he, he, <laughs> it starts with a K, which is a really cool letter for your last name to start I remember with. the computer. Thanks. Big blue. Wow. <laughs> My last name starts with a K. Nice. Oh. That's, that's all I took from this. High five. <laughs> all right. Okay. There you go. My first name starts with a K. No. 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 Right. We're, we're okay. going to wow. leave you hanging, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> intelligence is a moving target. Um, if you look at the history of AI, it's very nonlinear. We've tried one method. We've discarded it. We've tried something totally different. Um, we might use one thing to like search for information and use another thing for try to, to simulate like creature-like behavior. It's like all over the place. It's more the structure, like rather than that singularity graph that goes up and up and up at a faster rate, um, is more like the World Wide Web, like a bunch of web pages 
that have some links and go all different directions and some are good for, for some problems, some are good for others and they can be reusable. And some of those algorithms that we discarded in the 1950s have become possible now that we have faster computation speed. But that doesn't mean that we have really succeeded at true, like making more intelligent machines. Um, but what we have succeeded in is making machines much more effective and capable um, within particular domains. So I think that we've gotten a lot better at like specified problems and it's really exciting and it has a lot of impact but the sort of general intelligence that the singularity speaks toward uh, um, I think uh, is more motivated by people's fear of dying you mentioned uh, intelligence is a moving target um, Griff intelligence <laughs> is a really fast moving target for you right he's never been able to hit it um, yeah. <laughs> try so darting all over missing. <laughs> keep missing every, every uh -huh. day so, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you mentioned that we keep redefining intelligence. When do you think that, like, a at least, a, you know, a Siri or an Alexa-type computer will be, you know, indistinguishable from a person, you know, pass the Turing test, but also could just do all the, you know, at least act like... Somewhere between Alexa and the movie Her, you know, like when do you think yeah, that's going to so happen? Yeah, so I would I would say that a big part of my field is trying to ignore that as an objective. Okay. Um, and right. so rather than trying to make machines that um, replace people, so like I think automation was like the last wave of robotics. The mm -hmm. next wave of robots is um, these collaborative systems, uh, whether it's software or hardware, um, machines that can partner with people and, and do more than either could do alone. We talked a little bit about computer chess. Um, mm -hmm. So apparently after a computer beat the, like, the world champion in chess, there arose another league um, where a computer and a person would partner together to play against another computer and a person. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, and uh, like centaurs or something like and uh, <laughs> and I think that metaphor can be taken a lot uh, pretty far. Um, so when we look at I don't know, but autonomous cars to me is a little like automation. But so having intelligent features in your car is more like those centaurs where, you know, like just when you're about to lose your steering, like the anti-slip brakes know that in this very constrained problem of like slipperiness on the road due to water, like it can take over and maybe save your life. It's like your guardian angel. It'd be really cool if self-driving cars, like speaking of having like a person and computer working together, it'd be cool if like, so, so far they're having trouble with some of the moral problems because, you know, there's the trolley problems and stuff. It'd be cool if like the person's one job is like they get in the car and they're like, you get to pick the moral outcome you want and then you have to suffer the consequences. And it's like you just program it in. I hear what you're saying. I think like <laughs> like a car manufacturer that would allow like so basically the trolley problem is this idea like that. So let's say a train is going down the tracks. Um, there is a man standing on the tracks so the trolley could like but there's like a intersection coming so that the operator could choose to go on the other intersection where it might there is a group of school children coming but they might not actually pass the the road but they could so there's like it could not you could hit this guy or it could actively choose to switch where there's some chance it would hit this group of school children I mean so there's it could be different what's on one track versus the other but the trolley problem is generally having to make a choice um, between like the value of one life versus another I mean I just feel like don't stand on trail 
railroad tracks. <laughs> that's, that's what I get out of this. Right. Like, but so in auto- autonomous cars, like um, there's been a lot of dialogue in the news in like the last couple months, but and kind of forever in the, the robotics community, like about this concept of um, should, if there's a pedestrian co- coming, should the car automatically swerve? Um, uh, and I think Tesla got a lot of press recently because they said, we're not implementing this now, but should, w- were we able to implement it? Um, we would rather safeguard the passenger because we can probably better guarantee that they'll actually survive. And so that put a lot of ripples <laughs> hmm. into the water. I mean, I think that I'm super because happy the, to see people talking about ethics, but there's not one well, solution. I think the reason that one scares people is just because immediately it's like has a science fiction runoff thing where like, it's like, okay, well, you know, also there should be like a turret on the Tesla and it should like actively shoot turtle shells at cars <laughs> in the way and stuff. Which, by I the way, would be in. He awesome just said shoot turtle shells, and I'm thinking of Mario Kart. That's where yeah, that's, that's what I'm referring saying. to. You got a like, reference, buddy. I, I, I'm got a, reference. Like a star power up where I can just <laughs> mow down a ton of people, and hey, nobody that's knows. in Mario Kart too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like I was going off your reference. Unfortunately, it was also in the south of France. I mean, people can misuse technology in all kinds of ways, and it's pretty. It's a little pretty concerning, but I, that's why we need to have dialogues like this, and you guys should, you know, put in all your acts. Okay. Yeah, I had a joke about a trolley car problem, but I stopped doing it because I couldn't find a good uh, ending. It's not relatable at all. <laughs> so you built a comedy robot. I'm so excited to know about this. What could you explain to us what this is and how this came about? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I originally studied electrical engineering at MIT and I got into it because I wanted to make sensors that helped robots interpret what's around them. So, um, like quick side note, like everyone thinks that robots are like super accurate, but it turns out they're kind of seeing the world through Vaseline covered glasses. Like sensors are super probabilistic. They might reach for the door handle and like reach for a foot in front of the door. And it's like, it makes them look really stupid to us. And I think it's really important to understand their limitations. Vaseline, um, co- you're describing Griff's well, morning. You founded something for Roomba and uh, I did a long time ago. Yeah. Similar to what she's discussing here. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I worked. On, I'm not supposed to talk about it though, but and thanks. You, and you also featured Bring a Wired magazine. Yeah. <laughs> you trying to pit cool. me against you're the guest? Cool I wasn't on the cover. You're not but. as cool as her, but still. Did right, your yeah. robot get airbrushed? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. Oh my god, the That's airbrush. <laughs> But yeah, so this robot comedian, like, so like six years ago, I started to get interested in this idea. Could we have a performer on stage that's like, that is a machine um, that adapts to the audience? So, see, that's already better than Griff. So, so basically, like, I, I handed out, and so it's hard for, like I said, for machines to always understand exactly what's going on out there. So, we wanted to make it a little easier for them. So, we gave the audience these cars, these like paddles that were green on one side and red on the, red on the other. So after each joke, because obviously stand-up comedians just perform a list of jokes and nothing else. Okay, (laughs) my understanding was a little simplistic at the time, I admit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Like the, the robot would listen and they would look at the volume of the laughter in the room and it would look and it would look at the balance of red and green in the audience. And so from those two numbers, it would get its estimate of the audience enjoyment level. Wow, so the audience would crack up, and then if they liked it, they would all put up their greens. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's like a weighted score of the of the sound and of the color in the audience. If there's As, a, if there's like a dead wow. silence, did it um, start to feel like crushing depression <laughs> and time slowing down, <laughs> and just like a s- complete sense of doubt and. <laughs> 
I'm wondering why you would do this to your life when you had so much going for you. Why am I doing this to myself? It rode the elevator and then like storm off stage. Yeah, yeah. You guys do a little Roddy Jane. Like the robot pulls out a gun and puts it in its mouth. Laugh or I'm pulling the trigger. Yeah, no. I mean, I think it's super interesting, and obviously, like, like I think you can play with that scenario so much, and like, so basically, I was coming from this place where I think that and I still think that um, entertainers basically um, pay a lot of attention to people right and so like you are crafting your acts you're crafting your material in order to have like emotional impact on people um, and my job is to make robots that can interface with people and you know I'm, I'm going to start a, a lab named Charisma at Oregon State next year um, and I, I really think that beyond functionality machines can play this role in our life where they add some kind of additional value like human value so like sure they can be efficient maybe they're vacuuming your floor but maybe they can also be like yo dude how was your day like when you walk in the door so I mean I think that they're like that we value people we get along with so why not make machines we get along with and as the human professionals at crafting artificial characters why not talk to performers so whether it be actors whether it be whatever so anyway I had one robot I was like what 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 kind of performances exist on stage with a single performer <gasps> stand-up comedy you know it's interesting because uh, you're talking about how they could kind of improve and and function working alongside humans like and and i brought it up earlier like how robotics there's a big interest interest in japan and for instance like the senior citizens and having caretakers is a big issue in japan right there's so many elderly people but there's not enough people to take care of them yeah and they're quote unquote retirement homes you have a robot there to say hey how are you doing this morning like here's your tea or whatever you know to kind yeah. of interact or like remind them to take their medicine so, I know it's yeah like you know yeah thing. something like that like, yeah there's no, a lot of super interesting problems there um so i have like three thoughts let's see if i remember them all the first is that the Japanese would rather have robots look over their parents than immigrants. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. They're, so they're, they're the most racist people in the world. The second no, issue is, is this. We already I, had an episode. Oh. We talked about is that in an episode. This idea of. Um, uh, machines that could like help people be more independent for longer like sort of augment their sense of capability rather than like having to be sent straight to nursing homes so like I think that there's a way that that rather than just having a robot replace a human caretaker like they might just be able to empower the person that's losing their function um, which I think is a really interesting awesome. concept yeah. and then there's the medicine thing which you mentioned and these are all like rich areas I think for research um, it, where oh, you I could you have Japan because it was like yeah that's in general and like where it's where you could have the robot research. that comes up and injects you in the arm with your medicine on a schedule How or you could have wrong? one right well, that could be real creepy. <laughs> yeah really creepy i mean it wouldn't be creepy if it like lived in your well maybe it would but if you if you had a device in your arm that automatic like you know like an insulin like for someone that was diabetic that like released insulin at a regular interval like you know like kind of like like birth control stuff like always I, like the anyway. we were talking about the comedy robot and so as an artist as a human being i have this i feel an energy of an audience and i go oh they, they like this energy they like dirty and i can kind of start to go down that road and for a robot it'd be interesting another thing that's humanistic is i i tell a story on stage and i'm a human and i've gone through this experience a yeah. robot can't have stories or go through life experiences a, that you some, can connect to there were some uh, it told some robot jokes i mean that were related to well so I that's the thing the so talk. yeah so mm -hmm. in my no in the ted performance it was like this very simplistic sort of like netflix 
style, like let's watch the audience, give them more content in this direction. So, um, but um, like that was what, six, seven years ago. And since then, uh, basically like I talked to a lot of comedians and interviewed them. Um, and then I moved on to this other project. But like for the first couple of years, I learned a lot about comedy. And yeah, I had a lot of issues with how I had served up stand-up comedy. I mean, <laughs> the fact that I had completely ignored the fact that it was a robot on stage, for example. Like, I mean, if a robot walks on stage, it should acknowledge that it's a freaking robot, right? And like, and like, we did some <laughs> shows with other performers like in Brooklyn and like there was like a guy with, that was a ventriloquist and he had like his like little puppet come out and be like, man, I'm going to throw that gumball machine in the bathtub, you know? And it's, it's hilarious. I mean, you have to play off the character and like, but I had no idea. I mean, I, like I'm, a, I'm an engineer I you know like people ask if I've ever done performance on stage since I try to learn from actors and um and I'm like I was a wallflower in like seventh grade in the Wizard of Oz um you know like I like reading <laughs> I mean I do like making artwork because it's kind of can like be its own thing um but uh they always say that roboticists like there are a lot of sub disciplines in robotics like specialize in the thing that they're not good at so the computer vision people probably wear glasses um <laughs> some some of the really most innovative people in, in mobility may have lost a limb um not everyone but um but yeah so if if I had um some stage fright or I wasn't a natural performer maybe I had to create this alter ego robot that that went on stage to to play with that but yeah so I think that the the material that we've done um, since that initial performance was much more based in the robot um, we have a, a a Shakespeare a playoff like dialogue where um, the robot's talking about I am a robot but like but uh, hath not a robot you know I thought oh, man I should remember what this actually is but, but basically if you prick me in my battery pack will I not bleed alkaline fluid and so, and so on and so forth you know so you can like you can play off the fact that it's a robot and it makes sense to do that and and I think that in in a real world situation where a robot made a mistake and made a joke about it or could use some self-deprecating humor instead of just like being this uh, in charge of our lives all the time like you must install the software update um, you're like, oh man, did I like just totally mess up that phone call? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It would be you, great to have machines that had a sense of humor. How much did you get into getting software to write jokes from scratch? Because I think that's really hard. No, to... I've never done that. There's like a lot of algorithms out there that can make puns, and some of them are pretty that's funny. That would be um, the, like, it's a very constrained one. problem. We, we, we talked about that. At, like, what about intelligence? I mean, r like, machines can do things in very, like, that are very well-defined. Kevin, have you thought of getting some software to write jokes for you? I, I, that's what I'm asking, actually. Yeah. I thought... That'd be a good way for you to build an act. Well, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, in all seriousness, I do. That would be. Yeah. Um, but I think... It. But Twitter is a great format to do that because you can... So I, I did consider trying to write a tweet account that, you know, it's a robot that tries to write tweets and then gets responses it's but it's a really hard problem yeah I mean, even talking about what makes a joke funny is really hard like uh, our previous um co-host own benjamin he has a, he had a podcast called why didn't they laugh and the entire point of the podcast is just to analyze what makes things funny which is wow, that sounds the, awesome. well it's the worst thing comedians can do but it still was interesting to analyze why Anal people didn't laugh yeah to well, analyze I don't know if it's the worst thing you have to it's part of your job you have to but it's like it automatically makes jokes not funny when you analyze them. It's like a, like a quantum observation, you know, like I the act of, that, but. I mean, right. I like, I like interviewed Rob Delaney once, um, when I was started the, the, the robot comedian project. And, um, he was telling me, um, 
that like best thing to do after a set because sometimes you can't remember is to just listen to the audio like ignore the visuals just like like close your eyes like listen to the audio like you're driving in your car um, that's so painful and oh my god okay well like you know maybe you'll get there but like <laughs> you know <laughs> I record like, every set because like you, you remember what your impression was on stage but you're also like in the middle of the act so like it's you can't remember and you're like oh wow I didn't notice people really laughed at that I mean it's not just about where they didn't laugh it's about where they did and like you know I, I, I like another comedian interviewed um, Kevin Katoa I should probably remember these things um, but uh, but he was saying um, that like sometimes you try a variation but like it's like you know like science right you you're supposed to vary one parameter at a time but you don't know what it was so That's like people people yeah. end up wearing the same socks <laughs> the same hat like like i don't know doing like a little dance as they get out of the stage They're like maybe that's what it was made of <laughs> made it funny kevin uh, is that why you wear the same shirt every day that's <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's so stinky you guys are really lucky this is a podcast <laughs> yeah it was yeah it was rushing really the yeah, rushing to Guitar Center didn't help either. Yeah. Um, Dude, did you guys hear about the robot that sweats now? What? Yeah, there's like a robot that does push-ups, like, or at least like that's it's like, and uh, this Japanese researchers developed it, and they decided to like do this cooling method where it 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 like there's water on its um on the outsides of its motors because of cools. all the things people the best features of people is them sweating yeah, when I was yeah in so third, that's the only thing left when the machines take over is human sweat <laughs> when i was in third grade we were supposed to build a robot for my like the gifted class i was in and it was supposed to sweat and like cry and i'm like we're in third grade like what kind of <laughs> and now i'm like no there's probably third graders that can build robots now <laughs> That can sweat and cry. Yeah, I mean, right. That that's just, I hope it was like a combination sweat. science class and literature class because like. <laughs> I think they were just setting us up for failure. Is Like this is what the real world's going to no be. No matter how much you sweat, you <laughs> yeah. will end up crying. Like, like an evil scientist. Let's throw a calculator in the rat's cage and see it do some math. Like, nope. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so where do you talk to these comedians? This was must be East Coast. No, I was um, when I came out to, to LA and, and visited some people and talked to, but, but yeah, because you know, like I, I like I had been at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, so I was in Los Angeles, and then I went back to Pittsburgh to do my PhD, and um, yeah, so I just still had some friends and reached out to people. It would be awesome to get back into that. I mean, most of the last couple you years, come to a comedy store tonight or the improv or something, and meet more. Yeah, tonight. yeah, that would be cool. Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. So, like, the last couple of years, I've been working more on, like, body language, so, like, motion. Um, how much do you guys use, like, physical comedy on stage? Oh, Griff, it's, like, <laughs> 125% physical yeah, comedy. The, I could, I might you be just able to lift argue the stage? That, I might be right. able to argue I'm the most physical comedian in Los Angeles and New York combined. He got, Maybe. he got, like, uh, he actually lost points in a contest. What do you get him in third or second or something? He the bit got wasn't so. He got so physical that he scared the audience, yeah. and he actually lost first place in the contest yeah. because of it. Yeah. Good I job. Do, what I were you do doing? It. Like throwing a bench into well, the he audience? Was like, he was like swinging well. the mic stand at so people. So I do this. Do you know what cross? I do this bit. I'm like, workouts are so specific these days. I'm like, like especially with like CrossFit. You know what CrossFit is? I'm like, what are those workouts for? Yeah. What are they training them for? I don't get it. And then I do this workout, this whole CrossFit. I take the kettlebells and swing them. I jump up and down. I take the mic cord. You know where they do that that weird workout where they whip the big ropes? Uh, I do push-ups okay. and jumping jacks. Burpees. Literally, literally a full CrossFit You just workout. like don't need to go to the gym that day. No. I'm exhausted after he gets I do off, my he, workout. He has, that has to be his closer because he can't breathe after it. 
Well, physically, I, I physically am not. If I wanted to do another joke after that bit, I'd physically have to start doing specific workouts in the gym. So how do you do it? Like, like I, you're telling us the exercise you're doing it, but like, what's the point? Like, are you imparting some sort of expression on that? Are you like really dedicated working out person? Are you kind of like a Hollywooder? Like, like, you know, just like, is everyone looking at me? Do you, are you catching this? How good I look right now? Or like, what's the point of doing that joke? No, Like, how do you perform those motions? Like, what are you trying to convey? Well, the whole point of the joke is these very specific workouts, I'm wondering what the hell they're training them for. Because, like, you see a bench that's, you know, to increase your chest strength for football. These workouts are so weird. So the joke is I take the kettlebell and I go left and right. And I go, that's right, guys, because you never know when an alligator is going to try to attack you. And then the next one, I take the ropes like this. I whip them. And then I go, that's right, guys. Imagine your girlfriend went up to get a glass of water and you farted under the covers. You got to air it out, guys. <laughs> But I do the actual cool. real workout. So you're giving an intention to each thing. An yeah. intention to each workout. And then I do the burpee where you get down and push up, and then you push up, and then you do a, essentially a jumping jack. It's called a burpee. And then I go, that's right, guys. You can push up. Praise Jesus. <laughs> and then I do one more. I go, oh, no, Jesus is dead. Wait a second. He's risen. So I take the real workout, and yeah. then I give it a ridiculous purpose. And that's the whole idea of the joke. It's not intelligent, but it's like, Oh, okay. I That's see what basically what I did for my whole PhD thesis. <laughs> what you? Well, basically, I like like t- like took like the random motions of robots and like looked at how people interpreted them because people always make up a ridiculous story for what that motion means. Huh? I did not know. Yeah. Interesting. Like, can you give an example? Yeah, that's a good yeah. so like we had this really simple mobile robot and it was like we would do this annual thing around Halloween where we'd have it like go autonomously to a bunch of offices and offer people candy and it didn't have any arms. It just had a basket. So it would be like um, it would be like, happy Halloween. Please take some candy and press the done button. Um, but it would go around and it just turned out like, um, well, A, like a bunch of people saw the robot in costume with a basket of candy and just took the candy in the hallway like they didn't wait for it to offer the candy. Um, <laughs> and they like thanked it. So it appeared consensual. Um, <laughs> like they thought it would be okay to take the candy. <laughs> but when the robot was moving really quickly, they were like, oh, I don't know. It looks kind of busy. <laughs> so, so like two, like people were twice as likely to take candy and maybe even more than that, but at least twice as likely to take candy from the robot when it was moving slowly. It looked more accessible than when it was moving fast. Huh. Wow. That's funny. Have you People seen the funny? Have you seen the, seen the South Park funny bot? South it's been Park a while. It's kind of old, right? Yeah. We talked it's about not, it. We talked yeah. about it earlier, and she yeah. said, "No, I did the robot before." Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah, I like had done the robot comedian like in like the year or so beforehand, and people were like, <laughs> "They copied you." No, that's what I was wondering actually. <laughs> yeah, I wondered if they got the idea from you actually. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It might have. It if might you have. owe me money, please watch. give it to me. My address is no. <laughs> Those guys probably watch TED Talks on the weekends. I would think uh, TED Talks are always great. South Park guys, yeah. Maybe that's how they pump out such brilliant episodes is they're really just stealing a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so, um, what are you? You're going to do a new job. You're going to be a professor. Yeah. Are you excited yeah. about that? I am excited. Yeah. So where, I. Where are you going? So I'm going to Oregon State. So I'll be a professor. In, is that a duck? Uh, are you going to be a duck? It's a beaver. I think the ducks are our rival. So oh, how dare good. you? No good. I hate the ducks. So yeah. I mean, fine. beavers are engineers. They're pretty cool. That's our, uh, Caltech. Our, is our beavers. color is orange. Yeah. Um, yeah that makes that's sense. Like, that's also Caltech. Oh, it's really? Yeah. 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 So will you be a professor in robotics? So there's a robotics group. And so we have a robotics PhD program. So I'm a member of the robotics group. Um, but I'm in the Department of Computer Science. Um, yeah, so I'll teach in 
both programs, both computer science and robotics, but I'll have my own lab. Do you want to hear his name? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's called Charisma, Collaborative Human and Robots, Interaction, Sociability, Machine Learning, and Art. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's an applause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very that's much. That's a great TLA. Three three-letter acronym but it had more <laughs> oh, no. had more letters Sorry. <laughs> i wish there were video PhD, on this right? yeah. kevin kevin just looked at the ground right now in complete shame yeah it's like oh wait he's already oh, finished God, it maybe that's, that's why that's <laughs> it's been a tough year you guys SLA. yeah it's, yeah, it's only been three year. days it's been a long year i'm proud to say i haven't had a drink the entire year <laughs> I made like 10 predictions for the new year and, and uh, a bunch of them came true already. Well, we need a whole new podcast for those predictions. I tweet, I Facebooked them out. Oh, okay. That's fine. That's like getting on friends. Check yeah. Haven's Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Oh, the whole election got me my follower list trend to go down and I was on, I was on target to be the, the, like the most increased physicist on Twitter in 2016. And then right at the end, I got bumped down to third place. Very sad. Because you were so excited about Trump. No, because it just was pissing people off or something. I don't know. Yeah. Good job, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin gets on a soapbox every day. As an entertainer, yeah. you, okay, unless you're in a you certain can't. position, you can't really get on. If you're Dennis Miller speaking to the right wing, like that's what you get paid to do. And if you're Bill Maher, you get paid to do that. But if you're at a certain level trying to build a following, it's it's tough. So yeah. speaking of Twitter, what do you guys think of Deep Dump? Have you I seen that? No. It's like it's like a deep learning Twitter account. Wow. Um, okay, I was going to oh. ask about that, that like, when he brought it up earlier, but um, deep dump. It's I was like talking what about you were saying, jokes. isn't it? Yeah. Like, explain it. Does it try and make jokes? Well, no. It basically it's trained off of what Trump says, and it kind of like makes these like weirdo like machine learning retreats of like mm-hmm. his past dialogue and like tweets so it was it's uh, developed awesome. by a guy named bradley hayes that uh-huh. um he's also a roboticist like he went to yale's now doing a postdoc at mit um but yeah it's kind of it's kind of intriguing all right i'm gonna check that out yeah nothing like a uh, ai algorithm making fun of a future president right <laughs> Uh, but what's be. what's sort of interesting is to look at the, some of them. Maybe it's not making fun of it. Maybe it's celebrating him. Who knows? But <laughs> um, but yeah, it's sort of interesting to see uh, how you can see resonances. You're like, oh, he would say that. Yeah, but I'm, this is what I'm a little worried about. Sometimes I feel reading Trump's tweets like, what if there's some sort of feedback going on so, where he's he's just. You know, some robot is telling him what to say and then he says it and then it feeds back in. So apparently Trump has like, I think it was like an Android and all of his staff have iPhones. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can kind of like look at um, his like tweets and to sort of figure out whether it's like his staff that are doing them or him. Mm -hmm. And by staff, I think it's just Ivanka or something. I think it's Ivanka. Ivanka. That's my uh, theory. Who says, who's like no. friendly, like we're looking forward to seeing you at a rally. <laughs> right. Apparently o- the only the positive ones come from the iPhones. <laughs> I just like, I, I, I was expecting just more and more tweets in the past year. Like I'm so, I'm so proud of Ireland for the Brexit. Like just stuff that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You're like, no Trump, that's not, they're not part of, cause he, I remember he said, I'm so proud of Scotland for standing up and not wanting to be a part of Brexit when they did vote for Brexit. And I'm like, oh, he's our president. Cool. I'm like, well, I can't wait for what Truth else. Truth isn't cool anymore. 
What's that? Truth isn't cool mm-hmm. anymore. This is a post Especially not if you're yeah. a journalist. And and also, just like being being intelligent and reading books, is that's for nerds. Well, people don't expect robots to lie. So like you that's can like, yeah, I had a friend that she was doing this project. And I like, it was, I forget exactly what it was. It was something like, um, oh, um, it was like people playing like rock, paper, scissors or something. Uh, you know, this might have also been a Yelp project, um, Brian Scazzatelli, but um, basically the there would be a robot that decided who was first because robots would be really good at seeing like down to the microsecond, like slow it down. Was it the scissors first or was it the paper or for whatever it was? I forget. I forget. Or did you switch along the way? Um, I, I, uh, but basically like occasionally the machine, oh, I'm mixing up two different projects. Okay. So there was one project where there was a robot that was a judge and it would sometimes lie and the other person was obviously first and people just assumed it was a software bug and that like they couldn't imagine that the robot would actually just lie to them. And then there was a separate (laughs) project that was a robot playing rock, paper, scissors. And sometimes it would like go and like switch halfway what it was doing and they were like it's cheating <laughs> because it would go out and like you'd start to see the scissors and then it would be like oh you have a rock no that was totally right um but yeah so it's, it's like kind of really interesting so people's default is to think that machines are always reliable and they're always trustworthy more so than people um but occasionally there's these cues where you can like see its thought process they're like i see what you were doing and i see that you saw me and then you switched so you're a cheater huh. I heard this story and I'm not a hundred percent sure if it's true, but I'm pretty sure it's related to, it's not a, it's not robots lying, but it's a web page lying. When you go and buy an airline ticket, you know how like you have to enter the time and then you, you, it like says, you know, like looking for flights and it's like the little status wheel. I was told that that is completely fake, that that is deliberately put in there to slow it down. And that it actually has the answer very, very quickly because it's some of the fastest computers in the world are working on optimizing airline prices. So slow down saying looking for flights. So what's yeah, the purpose for that? For the purpose of you feeling like it's Anxious. helping you and also to prevent you from shopping too long. It's like a way to slow you down from getting too good a fare. Right. And, and it makes you feel anxious. So yeah. you, when it, you get the fares, you're more likely to... And, those? Yeah, and it costs wow. and it costs money for them if too many people keep asking for different price. Like if you shop too much, it means they have to constantly do all these more calculations. Hmm. So they like deliberately tell you that it's so you it's figuring something out to like wow. so that you don't huh. so you don't sit there like those uh, sneaky bastards. And if, if you don't believe me, you can try uh, Google Flights for example. It's like way faster than all the individual airlines, and you get really today. oh, it's great. It's like so much better because. It gets around. I mean, it just has the answer because it doesn't do it. Does because Google's job is to get you know it's a search engine, so its job is to get information to people mm-hmm. as fast as possible, and then I love and I hate Google. Yeah, yeah me too. I mean, it's like such an amazing company, and it's so innovative, um, but it's so full of engineers and not interface designers. Gross. Yeah, man, those engineers. I mean, that was that was pretty clear from the beginning, though. Just like, hey, what colors? I don't know, red yellow what's the other one i don't know blue yeah it's like a preschool right yeah exactly. yeah it's, it's red yeah. yeah they have it's really cool though if you go on their campuses they have like free google bikes and like you can just show up and they're all for free and you can like basically take the bike to go between one campus and another because it's all really spread out there's like so many different locations like on mountain view it sounds so funny like uh you know their whole thing every startup like all silicon valley startups they show Start of like, oh, we're not going to do the evil thing. And they even did that, like, don't be evil. But then it's like, as soon as they get rich, they're like, 
Yeah. 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 yeah fuck it. I have a, like, you know, like you came to my robot film festival on New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's right. That was yeah. awesome. The film, robot so we, film festival. We started with a slogan, positive storytelling about robots. So. Because there's a lot of them when they're, let's face it, kind of killers. Right, and, exactly. You know, so, not very nice. But I mean, now you're making me worried. So Google <laughs> started with don't be evil. We're like huh. positive storytelling about robot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more scared of friendly robots than evil robots. Why? By a lot. Because you're scared of friendly people. <laughs> <laughs> you're scared of being loved, Kevin. That's what this means. I just think like the what well what the biggest danger to humanity is us just being taken care of to the like those we're talking about, <laughs> wrong, wrong. We were no, talking about wrong. those robots. The that, biggest like, danger the, of humanity has an orange wig. Look, and lives in New York City. <laughs> my know. my robot has orange plates. It's like ready for the next presidency. <laughs> I, I uh, shout out to Trump for declaring an edge, like a complete end to the age of computer. Did you guys know careers? That? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's get careers. Get careers. Smart. That yeah. creates jobs. What a and genius! And people get in better shape. Come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, you agree that the killing two birds with Do you agree the age of computer has ended? I didn't know that was the age we're in, but yeah, now we're in the age of the mobile devices. And like ubiquitous computing and, you know, smart sensors. Okay. Yeah. We're in the age of robots yeah, telling I would, comedy now. Yeah, that. I, I mean, come on. Like how much, like, do you really want to be in a cubicle your whole life? Like, I think we should replace computers with robots. Yeah. They could still have okay. the computation power. They have a little personality. Like, I don't I would know. I imagine... to have a computer do, or a robot do my computer stuff for me. <laughs> you already <laughs> mentioned the one giving you an injection. Imagine just how fast humanity would just turn into like... Just piles OB, of shit. Yeah, just, as just if like, we're not lazy enough. Yeah. We'd be just been blobs on the couch, all hooked on opiates, and the robots just, you know, like, hey, I think we should turn off the robot. And then there's like, and the robot just comes over and injects you again. <laughs> you go well, to sleep. Is this not surprising with as much as we spend in our military and warfare that we, you know, because we don't want to lose human lives, that we don't have robots that go out there with guns in the battlefield and they can detect infrared or heat. We so do have that. We do. People. I'm like, not sure where you've been That's the like last like 10 years. what's been like. Um, completely funded, like ever since nine eleven. Yeah, because we, but we have soldiers just, going out there the front line. Yeah, we have like mm-hmm. remote control robots with machine guns on them. Yeah. What what are they? They're on wheels and they're just yeah, they're like like baby tanks, super cute. Except they have a machine gun, so really scary. How common are these on the battlefield? Well, we also have drones in the air. I know we have yeah. drones, but like actual sold robot soldiers going out there. Yeah, I don't know the numbers. I don't know if we're supposed to know the numbers. No, we're not. <laughs> um, Baby but tanks. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like that's like another really interesting like uh, environment to think about ethics. Like, I mean, the ethics of war is like as old as like not as old as time, but as old as civilization. It's you almost know? an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Well, but as soon as there is civilization, there is like like the civilization of war, and like because war is like I don't know battle and fighting. I mean, you know, you see it in the animal kingdom, you see it with us. So I mean, part of civilization is like telling people that they can't murder their neighbor. But we always do. It's in our DNA. To yeah, but then it's punished. You know, it's like it's not like you know rules are made to be followed some of the time. I, I you know like and if they aren't, then there are consequences. Like it's like it's, you know. Yes, yes, Edward Snowden. He would know that. Mm-hmm. Rules are made to be broken, and so are laws. It's deep. I mean, like there are amendments to the Constitution. I, anyway, but like, yeah, it's like it's like there's not. It's like the rules are different than truth. How do you feel about robot battles? 
like each other yeah well, that sounds like a question i, I mean ask. it makes me a little sad to be honest like i mean like i would love to see like for example more like high school robot competitions where you put a robot like on a dramatic state like have robots put on a dramatic play like mm-hmm. I, I think it, and i think that would be more relevant to some of the interesting applications that we're putting into society right now like a companion for the elderly like a practice assistant for autistic children um you know like uh yeah i don't know like the 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 Robots that are delivering linens in hospitals, collaborative manufacturing, where like the best thing about your coworkers when you're at a factory doing mindless tasks all day is that they can have some sort of interesting conversation, even if it's like, or even if it's just about sports. I mean, like a, a robot that could serve, you can't check your phone if you work in a factory line, like people would, you get in trouble. But if the robot could just tell you the score of the game, like that would be like a major <laughs> contribution. I, I got one. You have a robot that follows the little kid around. If he's getting bullied, the robot calculates a real quick comeback or just beats up the bully or like or yeah i don't know like you I mean, literally I'm, went we went 30 seconds and it just came back to a robot attacking a person i, again. I think you guys should watch <laughs> robot and frank it's on netflix for free it was the opener at one of our, our third robot film festival it's super amazing um maybe second second year second annual robot film festival but yeah there's a fantastic scene where the robot pretends like it has a bomb and can blow up it doesn't it's like it's just like 10 9 we're like oh, they're like okay maybe it does like and they, of course they don't want to risk it and they run away but um yeah i don't know i mean so i i know we're kind of running out of time but like uh the like this this thoughts about robots being destructive is important and i think it's sort of similar to the singularity like there's yeah, a lot of mythology about technology um so it's it's really interesting to look at um like historically culturally like where is the where are these stories coming from is it fear of death is it religion um so if you look at uh asian societies for example japan's the best like they have this this history of the shinto faith so the shinto faith doesn't make a hierarchy of creation it's not god then man then animals then rocks it's zelda if anybody's ever played zelda <laughs> listening that's literally a good example of shinto oh really yeah i don't know what tell me more well there's all these different there, i guess there's it's, it's uh there's multiple different kind of gods that represent different things in your life mm-hmm. not gods but there's uh Spirits. Spirits that represent kind of different things uh, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Paganism, almost, in a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Well, so I mean, yeah, so so there's this idea that we all have a common soul and it's like like a humans have soul, this soul th- concept, animals have it, rocks have it, mountains have it. And so that means that we should all be respected on an equal plane. But the second twist in the Shinto faith is that these spirits naturally want to work in harmony. So if you have this idea that the the machine is no more or less alive than we are um, and it naturally wants to work in harmony with us, you're going to have things like Astro Boy, like the most common comic book that most like, you know, middle aged Asian people grew up with in like the 60s, 70s. I don't know, maybe 80s. I don't know. I'm not Japanese, but but basically like it's like their superhero, like the robot (laughs) that is better. I know. (laughs) It is a podcast, but total curveball. But, but, you know, and then we have like this like Judeo-Christian thing where like making a robot could be usurping the role of God. Like, you know, like only one person is supposed to make man out of the clay or um, and and so, yeah, it's like Frankenstein. (laughs) So it's like I think we have a lot of uh, storytelling about how if we are doing something that that God didn't like, um, then that's going to go wrong. Um, I, I, you know, and if you actually look back at more Mary Shelley's book, like with like Frankenstein, what would happen to a child? If you, you saw it, you were aghast. You're like, ah, what did I create? And then you like (laughs) threw it in the woods. 
to like peek through your window and see how you were living your life. I mean, that child would be really messed That's up. That's how serial killers are born. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Frankenstein became a monster. Right. I mean, like it wasn't his physicality. It was his like, it's terrible parenting. And I, you know, like I, I think that, that there's some of that metaphor that holds true. Like if we expect machines to fail, if we are, we will only fund, like or if we expect machines to be violent, then of course the like Western world, uh, particularly the United States is, is funding mostly more destructive robots. And, and you know, they might be really useful for that and they could save a lot of lives. Um, however, they are also could be useful for other things. And if we open to our mind to the concept of machines that like augment people, um, you know, like even like exoskeletons that let, let people walk again, like stand up in a wheel instead of just being in a wheelchair. I mean, that could really change people's experience of living. And, and that's my goal is to like empower people with robots rather than just kind of like, I don't know, like I, I still really don't want that robot with a needle chasing me around the house and injecting me with my medication. <laughs> a little too creepy. Yeah. So you want to empower robots to improve the lives of human beings and work uh, alongside us to where, you know, it, it benefits us, not just some scary world that w what's going to happen with this robot. Just yeah. robots to improve our lives. Yeah. And to do that, we need comedians. Yeah. I, and uh, Griff needs a um, a robot that can apply sunscreen. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! Yes, can we make that happen? I'm, I'm not sexy roboter. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Work 30 minutes late to everything while he puts on his fucking sunscreen. Wow. You can say fucking. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't I know. I think you self bleeped yourself there. Because well, I didn't know. Yeah, no, this is not a PG-13. <laughs> We've had some horrible conversations. Horrible, horrible. These conversations. microphones should be condemned in the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Someday we'll release a Too Hot for the Podcast mixtape where we take all the stuff we cut out. How about we just do a compilation of all of our horrible clips and just make one episode out of it <laughs> and lose all of our listeners in one episode? Or we sell it and actually Ooh. make some money off the podcast. Um, okay, so I mentioned that we'd come back to this. Um, I'm only bringing it up because... Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Okay, so you're in this list. You're the second person I know to be in this list. The 50th sexiest scientists in the world. Uh, and that must have been very strange because of the way... Is that just blatant misogyny? Or did you, no, you, you didn't sign it's, up it's, for this? I have another no. friend who's a man. He's on it, too. It's curated. So, yeah. yeah. Every once in a um, while. Okay, but what, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I, I want to know what do I have to do to get on it. I mean, do I have to drink less beer? Yeah, yes. less IPA, Kevin. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> buddy. Happen. That's not going to happen. We no. So right. I can't remember the wording exactly, but what's really funny about that list is they were like, it's not just about how they look. It's also about their passion for their work. All right, so giving up beer, obviously that's not going to happen. I'll have to focus on a lot of passion and personality for next time. But um, Good luck. All right, thank you. Bam! Uh, You're looking yeah. at me like, Great okay, to end. well, that's been the podcast for today. <laughs> I'm not giving IPAs up. I'm so thanks go for being our guest. After this. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, it was the show after this. Oh, where? Yeah. Um, well, I don't think it's going to get out in time, but it's at Cantor's, the Kibitz room, which is where Axel Rose, I think, was discovered. Yeah. yeah, it's a great My first show. time performing there. Yeah. I know the, the show, Bert Teplitsky's show. Yes. Yeah. How, was it? How is it? Is it a good show? Just never mind. We'll talk about so it. So that list <laughs> is were you are you proud of it or was that like, uh, why am I on this? Um, yeah, I don't know. As a as a woman in technology, like it's always like it's like a mixed bag. Like like for example, on this robot um like short film that I met um, Kevin on uh, the producers like came over and I think they were meaning to compliment me and they're like, We would never have cast you as a roboticist. You are way too pretty. 
like or something like that and I was like uh okay I mean like I don't know it's weird like so I I think it's a mixed bag I mean it's I think that it it's nice that um I that people don't have to fit just one stereotype to be able to do something like I think people can be nerdy I think they can be creative I think they can be playful um I put on a cyborg cabaret one one year when I was trying to like have like do a curate a live show it's like a live show version of the robot film festival Um, a lot harder robots batteries (laughs) run out anyway learned a lot Um, (laughs) but um, yeah and there was this girl from Ohio that had driven down from um, with her family all the way to Pittsburgh to come see this show and and she was like I am really into dance like I'm really into like math and science like I didn't know that was allowed I'm so glad like I saw your TED talk and then you're kind of like this is awesome. So, I, I mean, I think that breaking stereotypes can be really nice. So, I think that, um, pe- like, like young women shouldn't have to make a choice between being, like, uh, cute or being, like, having, like, lots of friends and being a engineer, right? right? Like, I, like, so I think from the st- stereotype-breaking side of things, it can be really nice. And there have been studies that show it's, it's not, like, enough to have women in science um, for, for young girls to have... Um, to want to follow careers into in that area um but you also need to have relatable women because if you're like only that type of woman can succeed um but yeah so anyway it, that's good, good advice yeah, for yeah. elections too i think <laughs> All right, <so> well. <laughs> <laughs> this has been surely you're joking <laughs> oh yes it has our guest has been dr heather knight thank you very much for being on the show yay awesome. <laughs> took a long plug guys no <laughs> cool. Not a, I might be uh, starting oh, yeah. a blog on Marilyn Monroe. Oh, that's awesome! Marilyn so, awesome. Monroe. Yeah, uh, yeah. We need to know about that because that's really cool. Maybe I'll write about this episode. That'd be Come great. check it out. Oh my god, that'd be awesome. Um, Kevin, do you you have absolutely nothing? To plug? Nothing to plug oh. except the show I'm going to. Okay, well, January 16th. If you are in San Diego, I'm headlining the Madhouse Comedy Club. Again? Yeah. What? Why? Why aren't I opening for you? You need to come down there and meet the Booker. I probably the have. Dog? No, you haven't because he doesn't no, come up here. Know. All right. Yeah, maybe I'll go down with you. Sarah, anything uh, you have coming up that you'd like to plug? Just tonight, so that doesn't well, no, really work. No, yeah. no, <laughs> no. Nope. Not gonna. No, but uh, Sarah Keller, you know all the Instagrams. SarahKeller.com or anything? No, just SarahKeller07 on Twitter and Instagrams. Instagrams, and all follow- of the Instagrams. Well, I've got several Instagrams. Yeah, <laughs> all of them. You, are you on the Twitter? Are you, do you do yeah, the tweets? Yeah, my Twitter is Heather Knight. Um, yeah. At Heather right. Knight. Yeah, and my like MarilynMonroeRobot.com, RobotFilmFestival.com. We'll probably be posting the films from this year's festival online in the next couple of weeks. RobotFilmFestival.com. Remember RobotFilmFestival.com. Yeah, that was yeah. really fun. Make news. for a great date night. Get some popcorn. Ooh. Yeah, cuddle up next to your favorite robot. <laughs> <laughs> Hit play. Yeah, I'll cuddle up next to this robot over here. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Heather. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.